Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode 43 of season three of This Osteopathic Life. We are 16 days in to the daily podcast adventure for this month of November 2021. We are crossing that halfway point. We can find ourselves smack dab in the messy middle, and it seems pretty relatively organized. That said, yesterday's episode was brief. It was a transitional episode, and that's okay. Perhaps that was our lost time round, and recognizing that, not necessarily trying to fight it or change it, but simply acknowledging that that can happen sometimes. When we're in a race, we're in for the long haul, there might be phases, there might be moments, there might be stages where fatigue sets in and we can resist it, we can fight it, we can acknowledge it, and then we can also recognize that it doesn't have to be permanent, that we can rise up and return and resume and regain energy even after that moment. Absolutely, that can come from refueling, maybe from taking a quick walk break, but we can reclaim it. All is not lost. And as I shared with you, we're going to be starting an arc of episodes today. And what we're going to be exploring for the next nine or 10, we'll see how it plays out, are the concepts found within the positive intelligence community. This is a concept, a practice, a program developed by Shirzad Shamin, who is a CEO and an author. You can find information at positiveintelligence.com. You can find the book and there are programs available in which you can participate. Full disclosure, I am currently going through the coach training program. I went through the program as a participant and I'm now in it as a trainee. And both have been and are currently still quite valuable. And it has opened my eyes to new perspectives in the practice of coaching and in the application of my own life, to be perfectly honest. And I want to share these concepts with you and share them through the lens, through the way that I have heard them and how they have been most helpful for me. And I'm offering these to you in a way to see what resonates, to see where you might hear and see and find yourself in some of these descriptors and opportunities, where you might see and hear and find that with others and recognize opportunities you may have to engage in a different way, to have some grace and compassion for yourself in a different way. And simply to just gain recognition of why you might be doing some things. Then it might be part of some of your programming. And then also you have opportunities to engage in different ways. You have more autonomy. We talked about that as we went through the activation process. And this is another lens, a different dialect to explore. And so if you do resonate with any of these, let me know. Let me know what comes up for you. And as we work through these next few episodes, I'm going to make known to you an opportunity that you have to potentially explore these in greater depth in a group coach setting where we can work together and you can work with others and gain greater depth of insight and hone those skills 
in this space. So that's available to you. And absolutely taking it in from the podcast here, going to visit the website as I share with you, that's available as well. It's what you need, what you make of it. Take what you like, leave the rest, come back to it when you're ready. And let me know what comes up as we make the exploration through these different concepts. There are lots of ways we could go and explore, and this is not a comprehensive program. Again, that exists in and of itself. And what we're going to experience in these next few episodes are the different ways, different operating systems that we have. Some by default, some by training, some by social conditioning, and they can shift, right? They might really resonate for you in some certain time and stage and season and circumstance in your life, and they might shift in others. And so I offer you just to take it in, just to consider what this might bring to you as an opportunity to build connection with yourself, as we've discussed in the past, and with those around you. And so as we begin this journey, we're going to talk about the act of avoiding and also look at the kind of counter or perhaps flip side or perhaps actually the nuance internally to it of agreeing. And let's begin, as we often do, with a look at the word, at the concept. So let's look at avoidance. Avoidance is an action of emptying, vacating, or clearing away. And in many ways, that can sound amazing, right? It can sound like purging, cleansing, making space, tidying, organizing, getting purposeful. Recently, in the change of seasons, we've had to have the different wardrobes out, and we've had some people visiting recently, and so it's felt a little bit like there's some clutter in our house, and I take full responsibility for my contribution to that. And I think for a moment, that experience, when you do clear something away. And for me, more recently, it was simply the act of reorganizing my exercise clothes. And you might imagine, if you know me, if you follow me on social media, that exercise is a big part of my life. And I have a fair amount of attire to address that, both from the different seasons of my life, literally in owning the gym, right? I was at the gym many times a day, many days a week, and could justify it that way. And literal you know, seasons, climate-oriented seasons where you have different clothes for the summertime in Michigan versus the winter and for different sports and activities. And as I was organizing these different bins and putting some of those summerier clothes to the bottom, my daughter said to me, wow, that's a lot of workout clothes. And I said, yes. And there's also that fact of I haven't changed size, right? Her wardrobe changes frequently because her height is changing rapidly versus me, I have some of those exercise clothes that are there from many years ago. In any case, tangent, bringing it back around to saying just that act of organizing, of clearing away, right? Moving the clothes out that aren't going to be used, putting them back in an organized fashion, right? That actually feels really lovely. And when I think about avoidance, it doesn't always have that same resonance for me. Avoidance can seem like you're just ignoring something. And that is another alternative definition, an act or practice of withdrawing from something. And again, we could look at that from the health perspective. Maybe you're withdrawing from something because it's good for you. You're holding a boundary. You're recognizing that this is the time for that. In some ways, I was withdrawing in that case of organizing the clothes from the summer clothing 
collection. I was simplifying my life and putting that to the bottom and bringing that was going to be used to the top and offering some clarity there. And so there can be absolutely beneficial ways that avoidance, that act of clearing away or turning away or withdrawing from something can actually be quite helpful. It can be us setting a boundary, right? And thinking about the other word or phrase I offered to you in this is agreement or agreeing, agreeable. And if we think about agreement, that one sounds positive, right? Isn't it so interesting the way we have these connotations around words and experiences where it's harmony of opinion, action, or character, the act of agreeing, right? An arrangement as to a course of action, right? So like a signed document agreement. And all of those sound really positive. But let's think about agreement too, where sometimes perhaps you might be agreeing to something and it's not wholehearted, it's not authentic, it's not true. I am currently wrapping up the Physician Coaching Summit with the Institute for Physician Wellness here in Ojai, California. There have been a number of fantastic talks and getting to meet colleagues in person and be in a beautiful space. So many benefits of this experience. And one of my colleagues, Melissa Parsons, I'm going to give you a shout out and a tag here in the episode, said to us, if you're saying yes when you mean no, you're lying. And if you take that even a step beyond, right? if you're saying yes when it's not an absolute yes, or if you take it to Brene Brown, it's not a hell yes, it's a no, right? it's a lie. And I had to stop and think, oh, really? And you want to go and argue with it, poke holes in that argument and find ways that that's not true for you. Right? There's a certain way you have avoided that being the circumstance for you. And we could say, that is a thought, right? If it's not a yes, if you're saying yes when you mean no, it's a lie. At the same time, we think, hmm, there is something there. And I share with you recently, reading recently The Way of Integrity by Martha Beck. And she talks about taking on this task of not lying. And I think it was for a year, a whole year. And you think, well, that'd be easy. I never lie. But if you think about, again, those small micro moments And they might not even have any bearing on the situation. It might be some inconsequential detail, but there are lots of times, right? We might just say something a little differently or leave out, right? Omit something when someone asks us or in some of those nominal automatic responses, how are you? I'm fine. When you're really 100% not fine in that space, allowing yourself to see it as a lie, which can sound so egregious and horrible and horrifying, right? We think I'm a liar, And we associate, again, who we are with what we're doing and simply saying, oh, right, that's telling a lie. And I'm choosing in my authenticity and my integrity not to. Let me check in and see, are all these yeses really yeses 100%, right? Everyone who would agree that this is absolutely a yes here. And so seeing sometimes we are making agreements without that authenticity, without that 100% backing and we can see there, right, this agreement that seems like such a positive and, you know, connecting thing, act, way of being, document even, might actually not be, right? It can have some implications, especially if it's not utilized in a completely honest way. And so when I bring these two forward, avoiding and agreeing, interesting just to think about that. If I just say those and think about those, if I close my eyes and picture avoiding, 
right? What behaviors do you see? What image comes up? What does it feel like in your body, right? Does it feel like shrinking away? Does it feel like slinking away? Does it feel like putting up blinders? Or does it feel like creating some boundaries for yourself, right? So there can be some purpose to avoiding. Now we could look at that language and we could say, are there ways to avoid, to withdraw from, or to clear away that also are more truly authentic, that are me saying the why of this. Let me share another opportunity that arose here, and I see how I may have approached it differently. So we had the opportunity. Some friends were going to go to dinner off-site, and the plan was to go to a pizza place. And generally, if it's pizza and pasta, there are a few things on the menu that I can eat. And I can look at the painting of myself into a corner in that way. And in that situation, I didn't want to make them feel better, make them change their plans for having chosen this restaurant. They were all very excited about it. And I'm excited about it. Pizza and pasta, yes, just not for me anymore. So I absolutely celebrate the deliciousness and all of the flavors that go along with it. And so I avoided right, the conflict around it, and it was true in a way, right, that I had messages to send, and I was actually going to check in with another friend on site to see if they wanted to have dinner. We had talked about that as an agreement, so there are some different factors at play, but ultimately, right, what I could have said was, I can't eat that food, I'd love to join you, you know, and this is what's happening, and they could make the choice of modifying the restaurant, and so in kind of stalling and delaying so as to avoid conflict, right, there's actually more conflict generated because when it did come out that brain was difficult for me, they were already kind of en route to the restaurant and would have changed, right? And then there's this cascade of events. And we could look at, was there some agreement being made that wasn't a true yes, right? And so there was some lie at play there, right? And even right now, it's so uncomfortable even to say that, but I'm just going to put it out there. We're going to explore and we're going to learn and we're going to practice here together. And in saying, I wanted to be agreeable. I wanted to support them in this restaurant, even if it meant I couldn't go. And what if the ultimate purpose of that whole interaction, that whole act of going to dinner was not about the food? Yes, of course, we eat food in the act of going to dinner, but it was about the social construct and the connection and the being together, right? And so if we could get through that, right, and say, I didn't need to be agreeable to the plan if it didn't work for me, right? I could offer that up and they could still decide what they like to do. And so there, being an avoider comes into play in a way to avoid conflict, right? So as not to upset what's happening or to interrupt it, right? To ask for something out of the ordinary special treatment. And I have some thoughts around that because of the limitations around the food that I consume and not wanting to be a burden. And at the end of the day, I likely could have found something to eat there, be it a side salad or whatever. Or again, this group likely would have made an adjustment. We could have found some other food option that was friendly to all. And so the opportunity in there is to recognize, to check in with ourselves and say, hey, what is the actual course here? And I'll add a slight disclaimer, right? And this is not to avoid or to be in agreement with, but simply to acknowledge. It was later in the evening, right? And I'm navigating different time zones and 
had some thoughts of some different food and decided, do I want to stay off-site or on-site? You know, there are other elements at play, right? But getting bogged down in those and not allowing myself to simply get to the core of the question and looking at, right, if being with these people at dinner and the food was a barrier, how could I offer up, right, what the challenge was for me and not see that as a disagreement, but simply as a voicing of what was coming up for me and how might that change the situation and give power back to all of us to make informed decisions. And so I want you to think about if that's ever happened for you, whether the situation and you had a response and you modified it, right? So you cleared or carried away or in an attempt to maintain an agreement, didn't disclose all of the information that might've been useful in that space and how it might've created a cascade of events where being clearer, right? And simply saying the thing that might not be ideal, right? If it did interrupt the act of going to this pizza and pasta place that sounded delicious to everyone, but also could be workable, right? How might that shift things? And so noticing that there's a purpose, right? So when we are avoiding, oftentimes it can help us to focus on the positive and the pleasant things, right? So if we think about avoiding certain tasks, right? So if you think about the thing you least like to do, right? And that might be a chore in your house. And so I'll take a simple one. So laundry for me, I really don't mind the washing and the drying, probably because the machines are doing that. I just have to move it into one and then transfer it to the other. But the act of folding and putting away seems to be a hangup. And if I think about that, the act of folding and organizing the clothes that part I almost kind of like too, because it's kind of clear, you know, you have the satisfaction of taking this jumbled pile and organizing it, but that putting away step often proves to be the most challenging. So we often avoid it. And what that looks like is having mountains of washed, dried, and separated, not always folded because we hang a lot of stuff, laundry on our couch, right? And, and hoping that it's in the scene, right? Everyone is aware of it, so they will take their clothes and put them away. But then oftentimes it just means we take the clothes from off the couch or they get put back into the basket and then the act of organizing them has been lost, right? So that can be avoidance of a particular activity. But noticing that the activity, right, that task doesn't go away because we have avoided it. And we often avoid it to go and do perhaps the thing we want to do more, the pleasant thing, right? Whatever that might be for me, we could say, right, talking about those clothes, going to do exercise, and there doesn't have to be a problem with that, right? Doing the things we enjoy, absolutely. But recognizing, right, if there's space to perhaps do both, to recognize that we are choosing to ignore this thing that's not going to go away and we're somehow assuming that it's going to, right? When we could just take those extra few minutes and complete that task or be more deliberate, right, with upholding that boundary or expectation with our family, right, to help them uphold the task as well. And seeing what happens in that space when we might be avoidant of conflict, right, to keep another person happy or to meet certain expectations, it can also be a challenge for us to say no to things. And we want to participate, right? It's something we could do. We might even really like it, but it might not fit in the amount of time or energy or focus that we have. And this is that space. And actually, I wrote this down as I reflected on that statement, 
right? So what would it look like to make sure every yes had no element of no in it? And I think about contamination, right? So if we had this cup of water, even just one drop, right, of red food coloring, even though there's a whole bunch more drops of plain water, clear water, one drop of red food coloring, the whole thing is tinted, right? And so it could just take that one drop of no to tint the yes, right, into whatever color we're seeing as the color of a lie. And so we're taking on tasks, looking at that and saying, right, is there any tinge here? Is there any tint of color in this that turns it from being a total yes? And sometimes, right, sometimes we do take on less pleasant tasks, right? That's totally possible. But checking it through that screen can be so valuable, right? And so just recognizing in all of this, tendencies we might have and the motivators for having them. So when we're avoiding things, avoiding conflict particularly, it is because we don't want to upset anyone else. We don't want to interrupt. We don't want to interrupt their good time. We don't want to interrupt our relationship with them. But many times, right, while that can be helpful, wanting to give them full encouragement to go to that pizza and pasta place, eliminated for them the opportunity to fully engage with me and have autonomy of choice in that. I cut off some of that opportunity there, which is a way that actually lessens, limits aspects of connection. So seeing sometimes that thing that we're actually trying to create or to avoid, in this case, for ourselves, right, comes into play because of the behavior that we're doing. Right? And so looking at that and seeing what opportunities we have. And so seeing agreement, right? We saw where agreement could be challenging if we're agreeing not 100%, not authentically, not from that wholehearted hell yes kind of place. And then shifting and saying, okay, but where is agreement helpful? And when it is that 100% robust, how does that look and feel different? So if I am saying yes and fully believing it and owning it and enjoying it, right? what does it look like to be in that activity. And I might look at that with the exercise example. So that one, I feel, yes, right? I absolutely want to do this. And actually yesterday, the days have run together a little bit yesterday after having the really long travel day, right? In which I had the opportunity to manage my thoughts and choose my responses and had a little bitty of a workout there. The next day, sleep was a little off, you know, food timing was a little off and that happens with cross-country travel And we were indoors for the speaking sessions, totally appropriate. It's beautiful outside and in my body, I needed to move. And it really felt like I was crawling out of my skin and I just, I had to go. And actually it was that quote that led me to leave the last session a bit early. And many times I would stay out of obligation, out of not wanting to create any conflict with the speaker And that did come through for me. I very much respect the speaker and the dialogue that was happening. But as that reverberated in my brain, right? If you're saying yes, when you mean no, you're lying. And choosing to honor that stop lying mantra, I said, you know what? Going is the yes for me. Going is the truth for me. And as I thought about that, you know, if I were to stay 100% engaged with that, there would probably be a lot more no's in what I'm doing. 
And that was fascinating. And that same concept came up in a later session. We were talking about fun and play and prioritizing play in our lives, particularly in our professional lives, in our businesses, for those of us who are entrepreneurs. And what would it look like to prioritize play? The same thing. So saying no more would actually be a result of that. And I stopped and I looked and I had written this down on the paper, just wrote it as it came to me. And I stopped and looked. I thought, wow. So seeing how being in agreement with, being in harmony with the joy and the play in my life and my business would be more no's. And noticing the avoidant behavior, right? And that avoidance can be the clearing away from and the withdrawing from actually could be more no's. And so we talk about in positive intelligence saboteurs, right? Things that can undermine us. But what's really resonated with me as I've gone through this program and this process is that absolutely yes, right? They can get in our way. They can cause hangups and hazards, right? As I shared in a low stakes environment. And thankfully I was working with fellow coaches who are all very gracious and understanding. And we agreed the next time that we would simply lay it all out on the table, right? This is what I can eat. This is what I can't eat. Here's what I'm available to do here. I'm tired. I want to go here and let's just put it out there and then make the decision together and support each other. And we can do that right now. We all support each other in the decision that was made this time around, but it's a learning opportunity. But in that state of avoider, seeing how it's designed to avoid conflict and to say yes, because we think yes is the answer people want to hear. And we think it's perhaps the answer that's going to keep the peace in that space. And instead seeing how avoiding does keep us in a space of honoring that which is positive and pleasant, right? So that might be the play and the joy as well. And avoiding can be a tool that can help us to say some of those no's actually, to clear away. And tuning into what we're deciding, right, is pleasant or unpleasant and why, or necessary or unnecessary and why. And if there's a good reason, right? And really, again, being honest about that. Is this really something I don't want to do? And am I giving myself permission to not want to do it? Do I not want to do it because it's in that icky, non-resonant space? Or do I not want to do it because it's in that kind of heavy lifting, maybe a little boring or dull, but actually kind of necessary space? And those are different paths. And we can choose that. And we can say, well, I can see why you maybe don't want to do this first. It's not so much fun. And we don't always have to do the heavy lifting. But sometimes there are tasks that simply require us to finish and get the job done, like putting that last step of laundry into the closet. Because when it is done, it's quite pleasant, right? It's actually more pleasant than having the piles in different states of being on the couch where we'd like to gather or lost again to a laundry basket. And then you have four laundry baskets rather than the one at a time that could come through. And that might seem like a simple example, but it's one that visually I can relate to and perhaps you can as well. And so seeing right, that we have the opportunity in here to recognize when we're avoiding, to recognize if that can be a useful tool or if it's harmful to us, we can see agreement and recognize the opportunity and the gift of it and also see where we might be using agreement against ourselves. We can check in with that concept 
uh, looking for that droplet of no in the yes and getting clear on that and supporting ourselves as we work through this process. So I'd love to hear from you. If you experience avoidance, if you experience agreement in these different ways and approaches of thinking about it, what your initial reactions were to even considering those two words and roles and actions, and how you might approach this differently. And like I said, if you'd like to learn more, visit thesosteopathiclife.com. You can submit and get on the email newsletter there. I'll be putting out some opportunities to work through these concepts in greater detail and to actually have some live group coaching with me, with fellow participants, and see how we can learn and utilize these concepts to truly be for the health of all things. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.